Hi, I'm Carla. I'm Richard. We're the OBs, hosts of the We Do podcast. And co-founders of WeDoRelationships.com. We help people discover the best version of themselves for their significant relationships, even their marriage. Yes, even that. Every week we share insights we've learned over 20 years of helping individuals and couples. We can help you stay motivated and accountable while encouraging you to find lightness and the connection in your life that we're all after. And we do will help you master simple and elegant ways to withstand adversity in your life and encourage you to make it happen. We believe every day is a great day to share and grow. You probably have a relationship that needs some attention, whether at home or at work. Your breakthroughs and tools await you at wedorelationships.com. Let's get to today's episode. Oh, hi, sweetie. Hello. How's it going today? It's going pretty good. It is going pretty good. I think it's, a, by the way, that's an accurate statement because I've been watching her. She is doing really well today. I think, mm-hmm. how, how are you doing well today? Just weather on the outside is good. The weather on the inside feels good. It kind of matches. It's like kind of sunny and there's a slight breeze. It's kind of like matches the way I feel on the inside today, which is different than yesterday. Uh, Didn't feel that way yesterday. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, that's enough. That's the podcast. Okay, take care. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. What what do we have as a title for this podcast? I think it was uh, How to Control Your Partner's Emotions. Yeah. Well, we found the secret to that. Yeah, we? definitely found the secret. I mean, it's like you need a drum roll for that, I think. What's the secret? You don't. <laughs> you don't. The secret is you don't control your partner's emotions. Why is it important for us to realize that? We try very hard. It's difficult to um, even articulate our own emotion, to, to get in touch with our own emotions. Yeah. Um, And to pretend to think that we know what our partner's emotions are all about is, it's just too much. We can't do it all. So if we can focus on our own, managing our own emotions by figuring out where we are, what they are, um, that's, that's, I think, the best gift we can give to our relationship. You know, we've, we've, you and I have studied so many different avenues to emotion and different authors that we've, like Jill Bolt Taylor, we really like um, some of her views, Carla McLaren, uh, we studied her. And um, my new favorite is Lisa Feldman Barrett. Yeah, she's great. Talks about the construct view versus the classical view. And one of her insights is that, you know, there's like 42 muscles in the face and emotion. We can think we know someone else's emotion, but we don't really know until we check in with them. Someone who, you know, gets nervous or laughs when they get nervous um, could be confusing. You know, are they giggling? Cause they think this is, you know, funny or are they nervous? I mean, there's so many different ways of interpreting emotion um, but the most important one is our own. Well, and I, I can speak from my perspective on emotions and my experience with emotions is that I was in the, I would say, 
knuckle dragging Neanderthal approach to emotional um, literacy and fluency for myself, not being able to identify what was what's really going on with my own emotions. And I'm saying this is a while ago. I think I've become much more um, in tune with my emotions and figuring out which ones are masquerading as another emotion and what's really going on and being honest with myself of what, what the emotional um, feeling is, especially if you're dealing with each other. Like you said, it, if somebody is, you know, has a romance language understanding of emotions and can articulate it in this, in all these wonderful ways and subtleties about how they're feeling emotionally, and you are just dealing with four or five, like sad, angry, happy or surprised or fearful or scared or whatever and they're getting more detailed and more granular about what they're feeling and what that might mean to them and you think you can predict what they're feeling and managing their emotions i mean you're two are you're basically speaking different languages mm -hmm. you're 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 speaking you know one of them may not be necessarily better than the other um i would ar argue that you know being more fluent on your emotions is a better way to go through life because you're better understanding and you're better to be curious and and those type of things with your partner. But it it's not a matter of bad or worse. It's a matter of understanding and really kind of digging into emotions and being and being curious about it, what you're honestly feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you have that emotional granularity, that ability to really precisely articulate you know what it is that you're feeling in this moment you get in touch with yourself but it helps because then you kind of have you know a broader vocabulary to use you know in relationships you know because you, when you have a broader understanding of all of these um, emotions and you know what it feels like in you you can you know um, it helps with communication, I think, and empathy. So do you think the example of being not necessarily in control of your emotions, of being number one, articulate, number two, kind of really being curious about it, number three, um, well, I think first thing is being honest mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And you have to pause and say, what's really going on here? And well, so, but if you're doing that, is that your example? I think to me, that's the best way to be an example for your partner of that you're taking your emotional, you know, resiliency and fluency, you're taking it, you're taking it seriously, mm -hmm. you're taking it uh, personally, and you're taking accountability and ownership of it, mm -hmm. to where someone else doesn't have to manage it, and you get a little bit more familiar about what's going on there. And you can, there's a sort of, that's kind of an emotional intimacy that occurs then like, well, they're trying to figure that out. They're trying to really understand what triggered me. What, what happened? What really happened here? It wasn't that. I know you wouldn't have said that to me in, in that way, but I certainly took it that way. But if I'm going back and saying, okay, what happened? And go back a little bit to, to look at the triggers and say, this is what may have happened here. I see it with clients all the time going, okay, what's my behavior that I didn't like? This emotional outburst, this anger, this frustration, this aggressiveness that happened, and then the regret and um, asking for forgiveness later on, they have to kind of deconstruct it a little bit and go, what's really happening here? I know, and I think that's what I love about uh, Jill Bolt Taylor's, you know, her research on the 90 seconds that she says, when a person has a reaction to something in their environment, the second chemical process that happens in the body. 
After that, any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. So if we don't take the pause, if we are emotionally flooded and we stay with whatever that is, anger, anxiety, um, whatever that we can, we can just keep in that loop and it can keep going and going and going. And that's part of, you know, our responsibility is to manage for that so that we don't enter into that loop and stay in saying things that we wish we wouldn't have said later or injuring each other in worse ways that we have to uh, figure out how to repair. Yeah, the, the 90 seconds isn't necessarily, and when I hear that, it isn't necessarily to me that we have to experience the 90 seconds, but it is that that process is actually happening within our bodies. But if you go beyond it and you're choosing to be in that emotion and you're making that cognitive choice or something has got you hooked that we're not aware of that's mm -hmm. hooking us. There, the mind's very powerful. We can't just say, okay, here, here's what, here's how, mm -hmm. why this is happening right now and, and explain to ourselves and say, you know, stop, stop, stop. Cancel, cancel. No, it's mm -hmm. like, what is behind this if it's repetitive? That's why we hear people in our, in my, like people in my office going, this has happened before and someone has called me out and they say, that's not something I can tolerate. That's not something I want. That's not some, or the person saying, I don't like that version of me showing up that helps us to identify either by making the choice of us to stay in the emotion or something has hooked us that's kind of beyond our cognitive control right there. In other words, we don't really know why, but it shows up to say, hey, maybe that's something I need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. That's something I need to say, what's going on here and be you know, a detached kind of observer of that emotion and say, okay, what's, what's happening? If it's repetitive. Which you know is what? hard in close relationships though, because I think we get, you know, we have this attachment and we keep reattaching to each other in the midst of emotional flooding a lot of times, you know? So yeah. it's, I think it's a, it's a really important time to really kind of find how, how can I unhook lovingly because I I want to stay attached but I want to lovingly detach in this moment so that I can you know kind of figure out where I am in this and where you are in this you mean if it's getting like heated or mm -hmm. yeah or or there's nothing it's it's repetitive or you're mm -hmm. you're saying the same thing it's almost like you're mm -hmm. you're you're not tacitly ruminating, you're actually ruminating by repeating the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you don't understand things come out like that. You don't understand. You don't, uh, you don't appreciate what I'm going through. You don't, this isn't something that, that I, this is not the same thing, whatever it may be. But ultimately, isn't that the whole essence of this is that, okay, what's going on with me? Mm -hmm. And so being able to detach from that and saying, how am I emotionally responsible for myself and the way to, you can do that is become a detached observer of the emotion and say, is this something I want to work on? Is this something I need to work on? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times these arguments are just not a new argument. They're just not that it's a lot of them are the same way we're reacting and behaving in response to stimulus around us. And so we're harboring something in us that's saying, oh, that's causing the problem. And when we get the eureka moment, we might be able to say that's what might be causing it. For example, someone would say, Okay, you sounded like somebody from my past. You said it, you looked at me that way. It goes back to the mm -hmm. 
Lisa's book. Right. Well, it goes back to Lisa's book, right? With, with, with talking about, you know, that our minds are the great predictors. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be, we've seen this before. We're going to get in the same pattern. I can predict the emotion that you're going to experience because I've seen that look before. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard that phrase before, either from you, thinking this Carla, or from somebody in my past that is triggering something in me to say, oh, this is the same thing. Watch out. Same thing. Watch Ooh, out. Loaded. So you're detached. You have to detach from it and say, okay, this may not be the same thing. Mm -hmm. This may not. Give it the benefit of the doubt that this is not the same thing. And that's where you can inquire and say, tell me more about what you're feeling right now so I can understand that. Like in the listening techniques mm -hmm. of, tell me, here's what I heard you say. Is this right? Would you like to edit it? Or would you like to... That is a powerful pivot and a reframe that most couples that are having challenges cannot do. Mm -hmm. they, they have to kind of work through their tendencies to say, I want to stay on fire a little bit. I want to stay in this pattern that we're in. But how do you both detach and say, what do you think's really going on here? But you can't do that independently. You have to say to the other person, what I heard you say is you're feeling this way. Am I, is that correct? Or what? Which is hard to do when you're looped in together. Like, I think... You know, that's that's the importance of, you know, remembering that we have to stay present. But when we get heated, a lot of time it's about what's happened in the past. And this always happens or my biggest fear is going to happen, you know. And so we're not in the present moment. And when we can have strategies that bring us to the present moment, that's why breathing exercises and grounding practices are just so helpful for relationships. And it's also helpful in, you know, taking care of me so that I can, you know, um, so it can be a gift for you. Yeah. I, I, I'm finding that in men that I speak with, I, I if I examine my own heart, the emotional literacy that a lot of men don't have because of the way they were brought up, the way they're, um, you know, society ex expects out of them. Just, mm -hmm. you know, put your head down and bear through this and, and, and pull the plow and figure it out. Be strong. Do not experience these emotions. Certainly don't sit in them. Mm -hmm. That we're trained not to have these outlets of explorations of emotions. Mm -hmm. So... With that being said, which can be somewhat controversial to some people, that's okay. I'll go even a little deeper on the controversial side. A lot of relationships start with how the other person makes you feel. Mm -hmm. This person makes me feel so important. This person makes me feel so wanted. They make me feel worthy. They make me feel excited about life. They make me feel loved. These might be filling gaps that they didn't have in their relationships before or in their parental relationships, as one example. So the responsibility then comes from the other person who's helping to fill some of these emotional needs. Mm -hmm. And if they're not getting that from their partner and they don't have other outlets for getting those emotional needs, like a lot of women do with connecting and speaking openly about emotions, then a man can kind of clam up and not necessarily have the ability to, to actually explore their emotions without saying it's your responsibility. Like you don't see me as this worth right now. So there's, in other words, I'm almost putting the responsibility and the onus and the blame 
on what you're doing to make me feel a certain way that I have a tough time articulating. That's a problem. That's a challenge. That's something that men are got to, okay, what, what is this? And you got to go back to some basic, basic things about what am I really feeling and getting more articulate. And, it, and it's not an easy thing to do because the tendency is to get, to think about it, not for 90 seconds, for 15 seconds and move on and get the hell out of it. So how do you, what can you do to break the tendency for a, a man? It's like, okay, maybe the tactical side is what's the trigger that causes this? Maybe it's not quite, in other words, what's masking? My friend and I are going through and we're discussing some things about, you know, you want to lose your mask, not your masculinity. So for me, anxiety, for example, that would happen in my life, um, I was masking anxiety with anger. That was my anger mask was on what was behind it was anxiety. And what maybe was behind that was disappointment. So disappointment, anxiety of not wanting to fail again. And then if I move forward to the other, which was anger, which is a kind of a default emotion for a lot of people, this anger and frustration and those type of things. So that's and it's acceptable. Yeah. It's a lot more anger is a lot more acceptable for men than it has been for women. Yeah. And, and so that def, I mean, just going straight to anger is more palatable than to say I'm dealing with anxiety or I'm dealing with depression or. But do you when you when you hear of the, me say that the responsibility of a man and a man in a lot of these relationships, and we've seen this over 20 years of retreat work with thousands, literally thousands of couples. Mm -hmm. And I see a tendency in, in, in this couple's environment that one of the people mm -hmm. is relying on the other person to a large extent to their feeling of well-being. Yeah. And so when I'm saying this, I don't say that lightly. And I don't say that with, you know, an accusatory tone. I'm saying that that's that's okay sometimes if we realize that. And what do we do about that? What do we do about having to rely on something? We talk about the initial bond, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, and it was one of our most popular retreats that we had. It was, it was sold out. We couldn't get enough. There wasn't enough space at the retreat center, which was, he said, you know, I'll take care of me for you and you take care of you for me, as opposed to the traditional vow, which is I'll take care of you you take care of me, mm -hmm. which is what we're kind of trained to do. And that's, see that, that to me, that's a pattern. That's a tendency. That's a, those are our tendencies. And how do we rewire or, or my friend who's in music business says, how do we play a different sound or a different track in our mind, which is to say, it's okay. I may be getting triggered here by the other person, but how can, what responsibility can I have? I mean, we certainly can influence those you know, feelings, you know, when, when you first meet someone and they're filling those gaps, you're stimulating some, some of those feel good hormones in each other. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's influencing, you're influencing each other, but you're not making them feel that, you know? Yeah. But I think, so I think finding a way and finding your own practices to be in the present moment is an essential part of this emotional responsibility because we're responding to our emotions and the word itself motion emotion it's like it we don't want to stay stuck but we do need to stay long enough 
in the emotion to, to figure out what it is um, and to sometimes gain its wisdom because anger isn't always a bad thing. Mm-hmm. When we yell and say things we wish we wouldn't, it's, it turns can turn into a bad thing, but really anger, there's some wisdom there. It's like telling us what's not okay right now, what we need to stand up. What value has been compromised yeah. in our lives? That how do we, what, what is it? Oh, I value this. That's why that's coming across. That's why this reaction is so strong. Mm-hmm. I value this. Yeah. And so when we are present enough to articulate our emotions, we can glean some of its wisdom from it, um, from the emotion. But I think sometimes we don't slow down enough. It does take a lot of patience to understand our emotions, you know, and the emotional quotient and the intelligent quotient are, you know, super, I mean, the emotional quotient is now becoming more important than the, the IQ, which has been, you know, and they, you know, there's a measurement tool for the IQ. There's not for the, for the emotional quotient but it is it's only been around for like 30 years where the IQ has been around for a hundred. The importance of understanding our own emotion is becoming more and more important in our culture and our society. Yeah, because in a way, doesn't that not in a way, I believe I believe that our emotions will control and manifest themselves in a behavior. You know, there's a saying that um, Richard Rohr talks about that, you know, if you don't address your pain, you're sh- you're surely going to transmit it. Mm-hmm. When people feel that transmission of the pain, you're more than likely behaving a certain way. So, you know, there's a thing that, you know, people don't remember as much about what you say about the, the way you said it. And then a lot of times what body language did you use was kind of their takeaways that they're when they're watching someone present or listen. Mm-hmm. So if you're behaving a certain way, which is what's going to be resonant with that the person that you're talking to or the people that you work with or your partners, your spouse, and those that you love and those that you want to have connection with. And once you, when, once you don't want to disappoint or yourself for that matter, your behavior is kind of like the end result. Almost like if you're speaking through a long tube, that's the sound that comes out, but everything that happened in that tube back to your, your mouth or back then back to your brain was, you know, did I, I behave this way? I, and I, because I felt this way and I felt this way because I thought this way and I thought this way because of all these experiences that are in my world, mm-hmm. sort of like the great predictor. It's the brain is the great predictor of what's going on here. And then how I respond to that, what might be falsely accused as the same thing or something brand new, but we, we emote from that. Mm-hmm. So my belief is that we have to behave our way to a new way of thinking as opposed to thinking our way to a new way of behavior. Mm -hmm. So we can rationalize and study and think about this and have all these type of um, readings that we can, or sayings that we have, but unless you behave differently in the moment, then you're not breaking a tendency. Mm -hmm. You may think you are, or you could, or you're going to say, God, I know what to do, but why am I not doing it? Well, it's sort of like, it's like looking at a great golf swing. Well, I know what to do. How come I'm not doing it? Well, you have to practice a swing 500 times. Yeah. 
500 times you have to do it. It's like when I was taking Josh out to the golf range yesterday. It's like, just keep swinging back and forth. Just keep swinging back and forth. Don't even work. I just want you to swing there. And he's sitting there swinging back and forth. So you like you're throwing a bucket of water, like you're throwing a bucket of water. And imagine us taking those type of times to say, how can I address my behavior? Well, number one, we put ourselves in situations where we can even exude the behavior mm -hmm. to do trial and error. Mm -hmm. But it's it's we have to be able to practice. be in relationship and practice, yeah. to practice it. Otherwise, you can't break tendencies because what happens is in the heat of the moment, you're going to default to what you've always done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I remember when Josh was little and I would say, it's time to go to baseball practice. And he'd say, I don't need to go to baseball practice. I already know how to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just thinking that was so funny because he's like I already know that you know this is what you do why do I have to go to practice it's like practice helps you it always helps us to get better at things and emotion emotional responses they change within us and you know we're triggered in different ways because of different experiences and and I think emotions will piggyback on each other so like if if I'm feeling super anxious about it's like leapfrog sometimes it is and grief, you know, like it's not just about this loss that I'm experiencing now, but it's all the losses that came before mm -hmm. it. And so it, it can become, you know, heavier and harder, you know, because of the piggyback effect and um, it can be more difficult. Yeah. And, and the real, I guess, real time example of, you know, trying something new and breaking a tendency is that Josh got up this morning and what he wanted to do immediately was what? Go back to the practice facility. Mm -hmm. He wanted to go back there because he had broken a tendency of just smashing the, the ground and mm -hmm. the ball flying off to the right. And he was actually getting seen the flight of the ball mm -hmm. and he wanted to go back to that. And so if we can get into situations where we're breaking a tendency and being curious and doing the pausing and being, um, curious about what's going on and being the detached observer and then understanding that we have responsibility those are three foundational blocks mm -hmm. that can help us get to what the how-to's are related to being emotionally responsible but is there anything you want to talk about before we go talk a little bit about the how-to's and we kind of close out here yeah i, I wanted to um the, the curiosity piece i mm -hmm. think is such an important part because normally when we have when we experience an unpleasant emotion, especially when it's high energy, unpleasant, it, it makes it so that we don't want to feel that emotion. It's like we, we want to reject that emotion. We want it to go away. And it's very difficult sometimes to get curious with what, what is that, you know, invite it in as Rumi says in the guest house, you know, invite it in and, and see what is there. I think the curiosity, if we can, play with it for a little bit, like invite it in and see what's there. Maybe even put a color to it or put mm. a personify it in some way. It can be, it can have much more um, wisdom for us, you know, like, like when my mom died in the, the grieving process and, and I was asked to let grief speak to me and I mm -hmm. put a timer on for 10 minutes just to say, grief, what do, you, what do you want me to know? And I just let myself write for 10 minutes. And that 
experience that curiosity grief was definitely something I wanted to push away Mm -hmm. I hate it's the most painful I think of all emotions to experience last thing you want to do is turn towards it but in that curiosity there comes some really valuable gifts Um, at least for me there was in in that and I've noticed with all my emotions, my first instinct, the unpleasant ones is to reject it and push it away. I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to be with this. I I don't like feeling this way. But the minute I turn towards it and open up, it almost shrinks because it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. it feels like I'm being seen. That's all I wanted was your attention. You know, to to you're talking about the other person now. No, the emotion. The emotion wanted to be seen. Yes. Yeah, the emotion want want so when we personify it as a part of us, it's just a part of us, you know, whether it's grief or or sadness or anxiety, it's just a part of us. It's not all of us. But when we're in panic, it could in anxiety can feel like it is the boss of us, it is in charge of us. When we're in grief, it can feel like grief yeah. is just in control. It's all of me, but it's not. It's a part of me because I can also, when I'm in grief, I can also remember the love that I had for that person. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, share, um, you know, uh, memories and and laugh about stories about that person or feel the warmth of you know, our connection and through different signs and all kinds of things. So it's not just, you know, like one bad thing. It's just a part of us. And I think that curiosity can help with, with that. That's a big aha, isn't it? For a lot of people, when you bring Mm -hmm. that up, I'm, I am not this emotion. It's that emotion is a part of me Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And being able to separate it. I love the personification. I think when we go into some other episodes about default emotions. I think we should get into a little bit more about how we personify those because there's some great examples that we have. And and the reason I, I bring that up is because I've seen such a a good uh, forward-moving reaction from mm-hmm. men as I bring up this mm-hmm. personification. They mm-hmm. kind of have some fun with it and they mm-hmm. play with the emotion a little bit. And I love that forward-moving word that you just used because that yeah. is part of the motion. The motion and, and emotion. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So on the how tos, there's there's some how tos that we're that we talk about in our self help program. That's a little too much to get into right here, but you know, you start back with the foundational kind of things that we we've, we've we've spoken about about being you know present and curiosity, and then you know the patience creates a space for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when when something is when your emotion is being seen, maybe there's something new here that you didn't see before. And you're not breaking this, you're, you're breaking the pattern, but the overarching theme is I'm responsible for my emotions and I'm going to take care of me for you. And you can take care of you for me. And we can honor that. And when we see that in each other, it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's, it's like, we just saw that again on a, on a show, like even on Sopranos, for God's sake, Mm -hmm. when he's in the, when Tony is Soprano is talking to his wife. And this guy is total infidelity, everything going on. But she said, he said, I, I'm seeing a therapist, you know, and I've got some med- not some medic. And she's like, Tony, God, that's so it's amazing. It was like the world just turned upside down mm-hmm. because she, he 
was trying to do something. Take responsibility he, for his emotions. And she was amazed by it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only time we've seen that. That's not yeah. the only time. It's an anesthesia. Oh, yeah. And when people know that other people are invested in therapy or, you know, exploring their own emotions, it definitely feels like, oh, good. That person is really knowing themselves, is self-aware and it's funner to be with people like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think we're breaking the tendencies now where I think men are getting, a. I mean, there's an, I mean, Terrence Real says, you know, you know, he's incredible with his Institute and he was Bruce Springsteen's therapist. And when he talks about how difficult it is for men to, to admit being discouraged or depressed or in a, a place where they can't get out of their patterns. Right. Mm -hmm. And they can be in his book. What's the title of his book? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about it because there's a sense of isolation that happens. Like yeah. you tell somebody like in school that you tell a man tells another person, Hey, I'm really feeling depressed. It's like, Whoa, it's like uh, everyone goes to the edge of the pool, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they start to feel isolated and society has trained us to, to do that and say, okay, I got a broken, something's broken over here. I'm sure as hell not going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, a woman tells another woman, I'm feeling a little bit discouraged. It's like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? Wants to be a little bit more mm -hmm. curious. These are not end-all, be-all, concrete mm -hmm. rules of engagement. Yeah. But there's tendencies because of the way society has looked at the, the male approach to emotions and their, their internal mechanisms mm -hmm. and the female, you know, feminine side of ourselves and of women you know, both and there's a divine feminine, divine masculine, and they're all part of us. So, but it's like these things have been patterns in society. And we sometimes, you know, we see these things and it's repetitive. Don't feel this way. Your parents are telling you not to feel that way, you know, toughen up and those type mm -hmm. of things. And if you can break through and, and lend a helping hand or listen a little bit and say, you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. A lot of things are swirling through my mind of how I want to just really give something to, to help people. I think it needs, it needs more time and study individually. That's why if we look at, you know, taking emotional responsibility as a self-help program, we've really thought this thing through. We did videos associated with it to set the table, you know, and, and it's kind of like the practice, you know, it's like, I already know, you know, what emotions are or like, I already know how to play baseball. It's kind of like this, our program was designed to be the practice yes. so that you can, you know, do a deeper dive into your own exploration. And it really is helpful. Yeah, And the how to's will be there. You honor your, your new vow, which is the responsibility, the technique in there to get you into the, the present moment, notice, breathe, allow that sweetie, I, you created that. And that's something that you're, um, is proprietary there. Something that's in general, probably people have heard is the, to name it, to claim it and heal it. You got to feel it to heal it. Um, and then you got to honor the struggle that you're in. Sort of like you were honoring the emotion. Part of the struggle was honoring the emotion and the struggle of, of grief and, and how you do that. Um, and then there's an exercise to kind of lock this in for you to explore, meaning you, the general you, to explore. And so things to remember as well. Um, some example in real life that I utilized in my exploration of emotions and being honest about what I was really feeling and taking responsibility for for, for my actions. And, um, you know, a little bit more about some tools to use to get you more articulate and fluent in your emotions, which mm -hmm. is 
the awareness, the emotional awareness app. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the, the emotional wheel, which are downloaded and you have links to those that they're but also there, in the program. And there's also a new app that I love called How We Feel. And it's a free app. And I think it's a beautiful way to explore and journal about your emotions on a regular basis and tons of strategies and and it gives you an analysis of your emotions that yeah. you track and it's really it's popped up app. twice for me today and then that helps you to be honest mm -hmm. about it yeah it's like hmm, what am I feeling right now you get to pick first you pick you know is it pleasant or unpleasant is it high energy or low energy and then you from that you get to dive into well, what is it yeah. And then it helps you to kind of, it gives you, you know, definitions and it helps you to kind of choose well, that fits. I think that's it. You yeah, know, it you gives you opportunities to practice more. Mm -hmm. So I'll add that in there. The great thing about this program is we get feedback from from those that listen to it and um, and those that watch it. You can put comments in there and we could add things in here like that. I'll add that in there instantaneously. It'll be on that program. So we... As always, we wish you well in the journey to discover your emotional wisdom by taking responsibility for your emotions. And then sorry, we're not giving you the ability to control your partner's emotions. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you know, you can affect it by being a, you know, somebody who's not taking responsibility and people mm -hmm. sense that. But when you start to, like you said, that's an aphrodisiac, that's a Something something is happening here. Even if you do it on your own without your partner starting to do this kind of thing, they start to hear some of the phrases and tools and new communication styles that you're using that is, oh, that's different. Mm -hmm. I read an article that said um, the three sexiest words you can say to your partner. It's not I love you, you look great, or any of those things. It's I got this. You know, and it's like when we have our own emotional regulation, you know, we're we're responsible for our own emotions. There is something really um, connecting about that. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's lovely. Well, until next time. Take good care. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by WeDoRelationships.com. Now let's make a difference in our relationship with ourselves and others to flourish in today's world. Please share what you learned. Great job. You're taking the time to honor and explore your relationships. We know it's not easy in our busy lives, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Those you love will notice. Great relationships lead to a fulfilled life. It begins with you. Every connection counts. Take good care.